Good afternoon, everybody. I love this, uh, the 12-something crowd because you guys are the most awake of everybody. Um, and we're so glad you're here. And it's finally starting to warm up. How many of you guys are a little bit freaked out by this little cold thing that we got going on right now? I'm not a, I'm not a fan. Anybody besides me not a fan? I know some of you like cold, but I don't like it. And I'll get over it, though. I'm going to move on now. But um, it's, it's a bitter thing to swallow in April to be cold. But we're so glad you're here. Uh, you know, last week um, was Easter. And here's the dirty little secret for a lot of pastors. The week after Easter, they usually give that to somebody else to speak because it's like half the crowd, half the energy, half the people and all this stuff. But I am so pumped, actually, that I was like, I'm, I'm going to be there. We're going to have a great, great time. And uh, thank you so much for being here. And oh, about Easter, by the way, <clears throat> we had um, a little over 1,200 people who came through the doors last weekend, which is awesome. Yeah. And, but you know what? That's, that's fine. But what's even, what's even way cooler than that, like way, way, way cooler, is that 113 people gave their lives to Jesus in one weekend, man. Come on, everybody. You can do better than that. Yeah. Let's give Jesus a big hand. Like, um, I'll, I'll just tell you this. We're, we're celebrating 10 years next week, and it's going to be a, ba- a big party, and I want you to come. But I, I'll tell you, probably the first five years of our church's history, we didn't have 113, like in all the years combined. So, like, to see that happen on one weekend is just unbelievable. And so, to everybody who showed up, thank you. To everybody who brought friends and neighbors and coworkers, thank you, thank you. To all of our teams who served uh, all across the campus, um, thank you so much. And then I'd just like to say that to my staff, my team, who works with me during the week, um, how much uh, I appreciate you, how hard you all worked and put it, all the effort you put in. And can we just give all these folks a big hand and say thank you to everybody who served and worked and brought people. Thank you. It, it was amazing. And I think that only God knows the eternal impact that um, will have been made by Um, what all of you guys did last week. So thank you so much. Um, One other thing before we jump in, um, a couple of weeks from now, we are gonna be doing this thing called I Heart Essay. You just heard about it in the announcement package. And we just wanna serve our city. And more than getting people to come into here, that's awesome. We saw that last week. We really, what's, what's even more important to us is that we send people out there to love on people, to serve the community, to, to love our city. And so if you want to sign up for that, just on the other side of this wall, there's a little table there. And you can sign up for any of those service projects, uh, Salvation Army, uh, Gora, um, Car- Carlos Kuhn Elementary. We're going to be doing a beautification project there. Um, lots and lots of food uh, to be delivered and handed out and served to homeless individuals. It's going to be an amazing time. We'll give you a cool shirt to commemorate um, that. And then May 6th is um, our I Heart SA service. It's going to be a blast as we celebrate um, 300 years of, of San Antonio and then our time and our energy and our impact here as well. So thanks so much for that. Today we're beginning a brand new series um, that's going to be, I think, uh, some fun. And we're calling it Playlist um, we stole this idea from a church called LifeChurch.tv. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, come on, can I get an amen? <laughs> they are awesome. They're the guys that brought um, version to you, that thing on your phone. They're amazing. Uh, Pastor Craig, amazing. And so we're just borrowing, you know. You, you got to borrow sometimes, am I right? And then you just don't have to return it, though. It, we're, anyways, we're so, we're so um, glad you're here. I, I don't know um, if any of you have a playlist or more than one playlist set up on your phone or your tablet or your devices. Now, the first service was really into this. The second service, like only like two people raised their hand. How many of you have ever created a playlist on your device? Raise your hand real quick. 
Yes, much, much more savvy than that middle service. They were pitiful. Like, I didn't even want to ask them how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say playlist, because I was afraid a lot of them would be like, what is that, you know? Like, get out more, you know? Um, anyways, um, uh, I have um, some, some, some songs in my past and some playlists that I use now that have become sort of the soundtrack of, of certain parts of my life. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Like, like I could play a certain song for you and you'd be like, oh man, that takes me back to 1997 and that summer. Oh, what was I thinking about that summer? Or maybe, maybe it was a song that was like your song with your significant other, but the old significant other and it like makes you sad and weepy when you think about it. Don't admit that to anybody, right? Um, matter of fact, while I was writing this this week, I, I had my headphones on and I was listening to a playlist I call Chill Guitar. I, I like Chill Guitar. I'll, I'll tell you the secret about Chill Guitar is that I, when I'm on vacation somewhere awesome, I play only this, this, this playlist. And what that does for me is awesome because whenever I am stressed out or, or like busy and I need to just calm down, um, I put on chill guitar playlist and it'll take me back there mentally to a beach or to some beautiful place I've ever been. So that's a good trade secret for you. You should know that. You should do that and it'll just calm you down. So um, great songs um, have impact on our lives. They, they, can, they can transport us like that. Like for me, you, you put on some journey or some foreigner and I'm immediately 18 years old again, driving with my friends down Military Drive. Come on, some of y'all don't know about Military Drive, Southwest Military. Only eight of you from San Antonio know what I'm saying. But like I'd be driving my 76 Cutlass Supreme, like with the windows down and like busting out some, you know, nobody else was listening to this because I had just discovered it because my mom, my mom would only let me listen to Larnell Harris and Sandy Patty. Like, you don't even know who that is either. Google that. Um, but it was like, you cannot listen to Journey or Foreigner. And I did it anyways, because I was a bad child apparently. But it would take me right back down cruising, cruising uh, military with all my, my friends. And th- there are a couple of songs that when I hear them, um, they take me right back to when I was 16 years old, a sophomore in high school, going to a national uh, basketball tournament in, in Flagstaff, Arizona. And we were on the bus and, you know, you have your cheap little Walkman headphones, you know. And there's a couple of songs, man, Steve Winwood. Um, there, 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 I can't remember the guy's names, all of them right now, but it, normally I would. Jefferson Starship, they put me right back into 86, come on, 87 in that range. And, and I'm cruising down the road and, and there was a girl waiting for me there. And then I was like super fired up. And so anyways, puts me right back there. Um, music is powerful in that way. And it can, it, can, it can change your mood. It can transport you. It, it's a powerful um, dynamic. And so we're going to use <clears throat> during the series some popular songs that we find significant and powerful in some way or another to serve as a kind of backdrop um, to our teachings over the next four weeks. And so today, we're going we're gonna to dedicate this song and this message um, to any of you who may feel like giving up or walking away uh, from something big and significant in your life. And I just want to kind of today use, continue with the Easter story that we started last week, and we'll kind of weave that through here, the cross, the resurrection. And Easter, you know, Sunday, Easter Sunday is about resurrection and resurrection power and, <clears throat> and celebration and, and joy and, um, and all of that. And, and we experience those seasons of life that are like, like yes, and awesome and joyful. But, but the truth is that some of you may not be experiencing that right now. 
Matter of fact, you would describe, if you were going to use the Easter backdrop, you would, you would say, my life is more like Friday when darkness fell over the land and hopes were crashed and discouragement set in and pain and the disciples who had pinned their hopes on this, this, this Jesus find themselves with more questions than they have answers. And Maybe you can relate to that more than you can relate to Celebration Sunday and maybe a little bit discouraged, maybe, maybe even feeling hopeless about something going on in your life. Like there's no way this can change. And, and I've been praying for you this week um, because I know that there's at least five or six people in this room today, right now, who need to hear what we're gonna say today. And, and, and I've been praying for you because I've been there more often than I'd like to admit in my life. And I know the pain and the darkness and the discouragement of that. And, and I'm praying this message and this song we'll sing in a moment will speak to you in a way that's, that's helpful. Matter of fact, I want to just stop and, and pray for you now, if, if you don't mind. Um, Lord, Lord, I just, I come to you. We're thankful for Easter, Lord. We're thankful for all that it means. But I also know that some folks right now, in this moment, are experiencing some troubled times, some painful times, some worry, some anxiety, some fear, some things that are happening in their lives that are um, feeling bigger than they are, bigger than their ability to overcome. And I pray, God, that this message, that this, this time that we're gonna spend over the next 30 minutes or so would just be helpful and would create hope, God, that, that, that they would know when they leave this place that you haven't forgotten them or that you're with them, that as they're facing decisions and maybe they wanna walk away from something, that you would just be there right beside them and give them grace and strength encouraged to to stick it out, Lord. And I just pray your blessings over this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. You know, there's, there's something that I've learned over time, um, 46 years old now, and that's this, that some of the greatest joys of my life and some of the greatest seasons and blessings that, I've, that have happened in my life happened just on the other side of not giving up. That some of the best um, moments of my life have happened on the other side of storms, like immediately on the other side of storms that I persevered on, that I didn't walk away from, that I didn't just sort of check out from. And, 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 and not, not just me, but people who've hung in there with me, who could have walked away from me when, when I gave them every reason to do so. Matter of fact, my wife and I celebrated 20 years of marriage um, earlier this year in January, and it's just been an amazing thing. And we're, we're like sort of starting to figure out the whole marriage thing. Uh, we're getting some momentum around it, right? 20 years has taken us. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, but, but here's what you may not know um, is just how fantastic Rachel, my wife, was and is. Uh, particularly when we first started dating, I, I was just coming off of a, of a very tough season relationally that, that a long-term, like six-year relationship that didn't work out. And the truth was, looking back, I can see now that I was still trying to process all of that, um, even when we were first uh, starting to see one another. And, and because I'm a dude, and because it's a scientific fact that dudes in their mid-20s, they still don't have all of their synapses and brain cells working. This is actual science, right? So just FYI, those of you who are raising boy kids, like, it's not their fault that they do dumb things. Come on, someone, come on, all the dudes in the house. They, it's science, man. They can't help it. And so this was what was going on me. And, 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 and so I was the dude, and I was in my 20s, and, 
and, and the brain cells weren't working right yet. And I didn't always handle that confusion and that sort of processing that I was doing very well. And matter of fact, I would get kind of wishy and washy, wishy-washy throughout the, the first several months of, of, of our relationship. And, uh, and, and, and like, like what I'm about to tell you, never do this, okay? This is just a pro tip for you right here. Like, like a matter of fact, probably in the first five or six weeks of us dating, I remember just having a bad moment and talking to Rachel about this other girl and about my confusion, about my, like, don't do this, man. It's just not cool. But, but what was amazing was that she actually sat there and listened and and was even sympathetic on some level, like, who does that? Like, not me. I can tell you, not me. Like, I would have been like, yeah, see ya. Go ahead and do that over there. But, but it was just a, a, a several months of just dumb. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Just dumb. And, and I gave her a, a lot of reasons to, to sort of walk away. As a matter of fact, at one point, and this was probably six months in, I, I actually walked away um, just in a moment of insanity. And I didn't even know what I was thinking. And she could have... She could have held that against me and just let me be an idiot and just sort of walk away, but she didn't. And she, about a day after I did this, I realized, no, dumb, Danny, dumb. And I called her up on the phone. I was like, please, you know, don't. Ah, oh, let me back, you know. And, and, and she stuck with me through all of that. And had she not been the kind of person that she is, um, <clears throat> we'd not be here today. You know, my daughters and I were talking the other day about how, hey, baby girls, if mommy and daddy hadn't gotten married, you wouldn't even be here today. I don't know what possessed me to talk to him about this. It's not smart either, right? And, and my little one was like, what? You know, why? God would have still had me? I was like, no, no, no. It takes me and mommy to make you, you know? It's DNA and other things that I'm not ready to get into with you yet uh, that, hap- that goes along with that. And she was just boggled. But, but the truth is, is, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Um, we, we wouldn't be having church in this building together today um, had that not happened. All of that to say this, on the other side of the temptation to walk away, on the other side of the storm, on the other side of thinking about quitting, um, are some of life's greatest blessings in your life, period. And, And you have to remember that as you're going through tough stretches in life where you're thinking about quitting where you're thinking about walking away. And I want to say to somebody, and I don't know who this is for, but, but on the other side of that trial, the other side of that storm, the other side of that difficulty may be the greatest blessing of your whole life. And are you going to allow your enemy to talk you out of, to make you turn away from the very thing that God has put in your life, the very thing that God has called you to do? So this message is dedicated to somebody who feels like giving up and walking away and, and I, just need to, I just need to tell you this because this is a truth and you may not realize it or you may forget about it because I forget about this truth is that, that as followers of Jesus, most of our battles, the Bible says in Ephesians, are not against flesh and blood, not, not against people. We think they are, right? But it's against, Ephesians, Paul says, it's against powers and principalities of this dark world that the reality is that there is an enemy that hates God. Listen to me. He hates God. He hates people who follow God, that that there is a, the Bible calls a prince of darkness that hates the kingdom of light, and all the forces of hell will try to stop the purposes uh, and power of God moving forward in your life. That's a fact. You have to remember that. That, 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 That's this the very reason so often when you feel like giving up the most, it's because you have an enemy who's trying to talk you out of what God has called you to move forward towards, and you have to remember that in life, that Some of the most meaningful and blessed seasons of life will come just on the other side of you sticking it out and gutting it out and walking through it. 
Your enemy, and this is a statement I'm going to make over and over again, your enemy will give you a million reasons to quit on whatever matters most. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to quit on whatever matters most. And I don't know who it is that I'm talking to, but some of you are thinking about quitting on something. It may be somebody. It may be a dream. It may be your education. It may be, uh, it may be church. It may even be God himself that you're thinking about walking away from. It may be any number of things, but I want you to slow down and not quit. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to walk away from what matters most, but all you need is one good reason to stay the course. So those thoughts um, are just here to set up um, the song that I'm going to try to sing, and I'm, and I'm going to use the word try because <clears throat> my voice is jacked up from yellow pollen and uh, preaching and all these other things. And just give me a break. Would you give me a break as I try to sing this song? Give it up for my, fa- my friends. They're going to help me sing this out. Here we, here we go. <clears throat> You're giving me a million reasons to let you go You're giving me a million reasons to quit the show
tell me that you'll be the good one, good one. Baby, I just need one good one to stay. All right. Thank you, guys. Rough, I know. Sorry about that. I um, just with the time that's left in this message and give it up for my friends as they take off for just a sec. Thank you guys so much. I want to show you the words of Jesus when he was faced with a situation where he could have easily walked away, but he continued to press on when it would have been so much easier uh, for him to, to give up. It's found in the, in the Gospel of John. If you want to turn there with me, John chapter 12 uh, verse 23, and, 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 and here's what it says. Now the time had come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And just so you know what he's saying here, he's saying it's time for Jesus to give up his life as a ransom for, for us. And, and so Jesus, contemplating that fact, knowing that fact, says to his followers, now my soul is troubled, meaning there's tremendous pain and there's tremendous anguish as I'm contemplating this. And then he says, and what shall I say? And then he asks this very honest question, Father, save me from this hour? This, this wasn't physical anguish just yet. This was a deeply emotional sort of agony of the soul because Jesus knew the torture and the suffering that was going to come his way. And, and so he asks this very honest question, should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? You know, rescue me? In other words, God, I know what's coming. I know what they're going to do to me. Should, should I ask your permission to sort of bail out on this? I know I'm called to give my life, but the human side of me doesn't want to do it this way. Is there any other way we could get this done? In, in another gospel in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, and he's praying to his father, and he says, may this cup of suffering, would, would you let it pass from me? But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but, but yours be done. Should, should I pray, God, can I go another way? Because Jesus knew what was coming, not just physically, but also relationally, as one of his dear friends who had followed him, Judas was going to sell him out, literally sell him out. And, 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 and I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I'm sure you have if you've lived a while. But have you ever been crushed down at a soul level, emotionally, relationally? Maybe, maybe betrayed by a friend? Some, some of you have gone through the pain of being abandoned by a parent, one or both, and lied about or, or, or let down. And if you've ever experienced the pain of that, somebody leaving you, divorcing you, breaking up with you, whatever it is, then then I think you can relate to the pain that Jesus knew was coming, not, not, not just from Judas, but, but from the other guys as well, Peter, uh, and the other guys who, wouldn't, who didn't show up to the cross, the other guys who didn't stick around whenever the pressure was on, who actually ran away and denied him. P Peter's the one who said to Jesus in response to Jesus, saying, hey, one of you's gonna betray me. Peter's the one who says, hey, not me. I'll always be your guy. I'll never let you down, no matter, no matter what happens. But then... A day or so later, a young girl, as Jesus has been taken away, says, hey, you, you were with Jesus. You were one of the followers of Jesus. And Peter's like, I don't even know that guy. What are you talking about? And, 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 and so Jesus knows this rejection is coming and this pain is coming. He knows that they're going to beat him beyond recognition, that this was prophesied by the Old Testament. Jesus knows they're going to they're gonna whip him. They're going to take a whip. 
that it has rocks and glass and other horrific things, and they're going to beat his back with it so hard and so violently that all of his skin is layered off and, and blood is flowing down. And they're going to take that, and they're going to lay him on his back on a rough and old wooden cross. And, and then they're going to drive stakes through his hands and, and through his feet, and they're going to lift him up to the ground where he has to kind of support himself to catch every breath. And, and all the while, there'll be people who are mocking him and who are spitting upon him, and they'll press a, a, a crown of thorns into his brow, and, brow, and they'll, mock, they'll mock God himself, and, and they'll hurl insults at him. And he, and he probably knew that worst of all was, was the pressure and the weight of, of all of humankind's sin that was going to be laid upon him. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us, took on all the sins that had ever been committed before him, all the sins during his time, and every sin that would ever be committed by all of humankind was pressed onto him. And in that moment of sorrow and, and tribulation, the Father turned his back on him to the extent that Jesus says, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the moment of his greatest trial, in the moment of his greatest pain, the lowest point of his life, his friends and everyone he knows has left him. And Jesus knows this is coming when he's posing this question. He knows his hour is coming. Should, should I pray that, that I be removed from all that's going to happen? But, but here's his response to his own question in verse 27. It's amazing. He says, no, it was for this very reason I came. It was to do all that I have to endure. It was for that that I came. The, the, the enemy and, and life may give you a million reasons to walk away from whatever it is that you might be contemplating walking away from, but you just need one good reason to stay. This is the reason I came, Jesus said. But what was the reason that Jesus came? Why did he come? Well, we know from his own words that he didn't come for the righteous people, like the good people of the world. He came for sinners, he said. He didn't come for those who would consider themselves healthy in every possible way. He says he came for the sick. He didn't come for deeply religious people. He came to set people who were hurting and broken and forgotten and, and captives. He came to set them free. So, so that... I don't know if you can relate to this, but if you've ever felt ashamed of something that you've done, if you've, if you've ever felt dirty because of, of your sins or because of mistakes or choices that you made, if you've ever felt unworthy or unlovable or unwanted, you just need to know that Jesus came for you, that he came for you, that this is the very reason that he came. That when everything human in him wanted to walk away, he stayed the course. Why? Because you just need one good reason to stay. And you were his one reason to stay. You know, it's amazing what you'll endure as a human being when you have a good reason to endure it, right? For me, um, many of you know that I have um, kidney disease. And, and apart from a miracle, um, I will need a transplant at some point in the, in the future. And, and so twice a year I go and see my kidney doctor, my, nef my nephrologist. And so about seven months, eight months ago, I went to see him. And I always dread it because it's, it's, it's the time where he's going to do blood work and he's going to tell me how far the disease has um, progressed. And, and so he says, come on in, Danny, and sit down. I need, to, I need to have that transplant talk that I've been talking to you about. I told you four or five years ago we're going to have this talk. Well, now today's the day. And... And I remember sitting there going, oh, no. I said, are we already here now? He goes, we're not here yet, but it's coming, man, and I just need to prep you for it. 
and I need to tell you what you need to be doing. And so he says, you know what, you know, you losing weight and, and getting fit, it's not going to turn the disease around, but it will help you so that when we do the surgery, um, you'll recover so much better, so much faster if you're fit and you're healthy and, 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 and may, may even extend your life to some degree. And, and, and so, come on, you guys know that when that stuff's laid on the line, you can eat grass and seeds for months if you have to. Come on, you'll go to the gym, right? You'll go work out because it's like, hey, I'd like to live a little longer. I'd like to be healthy for all of this stuff that's got to go down. And, and, and so, man, I, over the last, you know, seven or eight months, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do what he said. And, and so there's about 37 or 8 or 40 of me less, than I, less of me than there was the, when he talked to me. And so I got to go see him the other day. And he didn't know I was going to get crazy about this. And he's like, hey, you look so much better, man. What's, you, you lost some weight. And he's like looking at this, the church. He's like, hey, you lost a lot of weight. And he goes, you know what, Danny, have you seen your blood work yet? And I said, no, I haven't seen it. And he goes, let me just tell you something, man. I told you that this wouldn't turn the thing around. And, and he goes, but clearly with you it has because you're like, we, we, we've, got, we've gone three years backwards now. You're like back where we were three years ago. Like you just, you went from stage four kidney failure to stage three kidney failure, right? And um, yeah. And, and, and for me, it's amazing what you can do, what you'll do. Like, I'll get up and ride when I don't want to ride. I'll get up and eat what I don't want to eat. Like, I eat oatmeal in the morning. I don't like oatmeal. Come on, somebody. It's nasty, man. It's like glue. Like glue. Like with bad textures. Come on. Like, even all the blueberries in the world, it still tastes like nothing. Because you can't be, because like it, when I would make it before, it would be like, hey, let's throw a lot of sugar and honey and all this good stuff and to make it taste like it is something when it's not something, right? But you'll do it when you have good reasons. And I have three good reasons why I, would, why I would do all this. And that's my wife and my two daughters. Like I want to be there for them. It's amazing what we'll do when we have a good reason. Some, some of you, you're, you're, you're trying to pay off debt right now and you're working extra hard and you're taking on extra hours. Um, why? Because you want to be debt-free and there's a joy coming in. Some of you are, are working two jobs so that your spouse can finish college so that, you know, and you're taking on the weight of that. Why would you do all that? You do it because you have a good reason on, on the other side. People go through chemo. This morning at the first service, a couple was walking out and they said, hey, pray for our son. He's about 25 years old. And I know him. I know him very well. I got to baptize him many years ago. And, and they said he's, he's, he just found out that he has leukemia. And, and, and I got to fly up there and be with him as he goes through chemo. And he's in the army. And he's just a strong, good kid. And, 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 and I see these people going through chemo. And I go, man, why would you do that? Because you know how sick you're gonna, it's going to make you. But you do it for the possibility of being cancer-free on the other side. We'll, we'll do anything if there's a good reason, we can endure almost anything. L ladies, those of you who've delivered babies, first of all, God bless you. Thank you for doing that. But you can remember the pain of that. Um, and, and yet, many of you signed up to do it again and again. Some of you like, lots more times maybe you should have. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But why? Why? Why would you go through that again and again? Because the moment you hold that blessing, what happens? You don't remember the pain and the struggle in the nine months and how hot it was and how bloated you felt. Or I, I don't know what all you felt, but I, I remember my wife, which, which she's not here so I can say these things right now. She's down at growth track, right? But you sign up for it again. Why? Because of the joy on the other side of that thing. And it's like God helps you to have a forgetful uh, gene inside of your brain that helps you forget how bad it was or whatever because of the joy. It's amazing what Jesus was able to endure, endure because he had a reason what, 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 what are you thinking about walking away from right now? What person in your life has given you a lot of reasons to walk away? But God is saying to you, you just need one good reason to stay. 
What was it that kept Jesus on the course? And here's what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. He says that when we're going through seasons where we don't know what to do, we're, we're upside down, he says, verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, or the old King James says, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Your enemy will always try to give you a million reasons to walk away, but all you need is one good reason to stay the course. And Jesus needed one good reason to endure the pain and the suffering and the shame and the scorn. But do you know what his reason was? Hebrews tells us it was for the joy set before him. But what was the joy? What did he mean by the joy set before him? It was you. It was I. Because he knows when I pay the price, when I go through this, I'm going to pay the price so that everyone in this room will have the opportunity to live with me for eternity. And that's the joy that I'll live with my children. I'll live with them for eternity. I'll, I'll save them from all that, that, that is coming their way if I don't do this. You know, Jesus would have done this had it just been you. He died for the sins of the world, but had it just been you or had it just been me, he would have still done everything he did because you were the joy set before him. Jesus would say in, in places, if, if a shepherd, a good one, has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost and wanders away, that he would leave the 99 to go out in search of just the one. And then when he finds him, he'll rejoice. He'll throw a party finding that one. That, that, that you are the joy, you were the joy set before him, that Jesus endured the pain of the cross for the joy for you set before him. It's amazing what you can endure when you have a vision. He needed one reason, so that whenever mankind was at its worst, at that cross, Jesus was at his best. When they mocked him, when they hated him, when they insulted his father, Jesus looked up to heaven and prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. While we were at our worst as human beings, he was at his best. When he had a million reasons to take a different road, he could have called, the Bible says, angels to come and rescue him. And, and like if I had been me, I would have not only had him rescue me, them, I'd have had him go ahead and punch all these people in the face really good, like, like, like thump them really good, and maybe even knock a few of them over the edge of the cliff or whatever, you know? Come on, just me being real here. But Jesus stayed on the cross. And when he breathed his last, right before he breathed his last, he said, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But all the way down to his last breath, he was thinking about you. It is finished. All that you will ever need to be made right with God, no matter how many times you, do, you sin, no matter what you do, it is finished for you. It is finished for me. God's already done the work through Jesus on our behalf. It is finished. And when he had breathed out his last the gospels say that this like whirlwind thing happened and darkness came over the, the face of the earth and, and the ground shook and everybody stepped back in terror and horror and Friday night, that's Friday night. And the one that these followers of Jesus believed was the Messiah was, was gonna overthrow the tyranny of the Roman government. He's gone. Hope is gone. The movement dies. Saturday morning, the disciples wake up. It wasn't a nightmare. It wasn't a dream. It really happened. 
And now they're going, what are we going to do? Where are we supposed to go? We've given everything to follow this man. We've given up our careers. We don't, we don't, we, we've given up our own faith. We've walked away from everything. And panic sets in. And Saturday night, the movement is gone. And they've all gone home. And they've all run away. But Sunday morning comes. Something about a Sunday morning. It's amazing. It's amazing how the world can change on a dime, can turn on a dime when, when God gets involved in something. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you to the extent that no matter what darkness, no matter what tomb, no matter what death, no matter what you're facing, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And amazing things can happen when you don't give up and when you don't walk away and you hang in there. When every voice in our head says, God will never answer, it can never happen, this thing cannot be turned around, there's no hope about this. And, and we hear voices saying, give up, give up. We hold on to one good reason. You know what that good reason is? That with God, all things are possible. No matter how bad it seems, no matter how hurt you are, no matter how broken you feel, no matter how tempted you are to walk away. All things are possible that the Savior of the world, that God made flesh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our rock, our redeemer, our Savior, our sanctifier, the Lion of Judah, the soon, um, the risen, conquering, soon returning King of kings, saying to you, listen to me, all things are possible if you'll believe in me. When everything says, give up, hang on. When everything says, turn around and walk away, Hang on. When everything says, turn around and walk away, he endured for the suffering, the suffering for the joy set before him. And if he did it for me, then I'll keep believing in him. How did Jesus hang on? He knew. And he, he knew that it takes a death to have a resurrection. He knew it takes pain to have progress. He knew it takes struggle to have a story on the other side worth telling. He knew that often the greatest blessings of life are on the other side of our biggest trials. He knew that sometimes you have to endure the worst to experience the best. It's just true, isn't it? Your enemy will give you a million reasons to walk away. All you need is one good reason to stay. So that if I was good enough for Jesus to do what he did, Jesus is enough for me. Amen, somebody? That if you were enough for Jesus to do what he did, Jesus will be enough for you. And your enemy will tell you, and I don't know what, who, who I'm talking to right now, but you know who you are. There's something in you that you're ready to walk away from. There's something that you're ready to quit on. Our Savior never quit on you. Come on, somebody. He will give you what it takes to endure the trial, to see the blessing and the joy on the other side. And I want to close out this with, with, with this verse that we've already looked at. Maybe you'll see part of it that you missed for a time. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. And then this. Why did he do all of that? Look at verse, verse 3 again of Hebrews 12. And here's what he's saying. Listen, there's going to be a season in your life. There are going to be times in your life when you're going to think about quitting, when you're going to think about walking away, when you're going to think about turning your back on. He says, consider him. Remember Jesus when you feel this way. Who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary so that you will not lose heart. He knows who we are. He knows that we're struggling with. He knows that when you walked into this place today, some of you are considering walking away from something. He's saying, no, 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 stop. Just consider Jesus.
consider that he's stuck in there, that he, that he finished the course, that he said it is finished, so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not lose heart. This is for somebody because of what Jesus did, because of his example, because of his faithfulness. You don't have to lose heart. You don't have to grow weary. You don't have to turn and walk away. You will not throw in the towel. You will show back up. You will continue to love when it would be so much easier to hate. You will continue to forgive when it would be so much easier to retaliate. You will continue to do the right thing because you were enough for Jesus and therefore he will be enough for you as you walk it out and you continue to hang in there. What was it that kept him going? It was for the joy that was gonna happen on the other side. Who did he come for? He didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. He came for people just like you and I, who he knows that we're going to make mistakes. He knows that we're going to be tempted to walk away. But he's saying, trust me. Trust me. There's joy. There's blessing. There's a rainbow on the other side of that storm. Hang in there with me. I want to pray for you now. If you don't mind, just pray with me. Father, we are so grateful for Jesus, for what you did on our behalf. For all that you suffered, for all the shame, for all the pain, for all the brokenness. And you did it for us to pay the price. You did it for us so that we could be made right with God. And I was enough, Lord, that you would give your life. And I believe that you are enough for me to keep going, to keep walking, to not give up, to not quit, to not throw in the towel. Lord, maybe there's somebody in here who's about to walk out on a dream. Encourage them right now in this moment. Maybe there's somebody about to walk out on a marriage. Give them strength right now in this moment, even though they may have been given reasons why. Give them strength to hang in there, Lord. There's some people here who've come in in, in personal darkness in in a storm. God, give them enough light to see their way through it as you guide and walk them out. God, there's probably somebody in this room who's thinking about quitting life in general, who's thinking about stepping out of life. God, you just want them to know how much you love them, how much plans you have for their life, that they ought not quit, they ought not check out. There are people who love them, there are people who are there for them. God, give them light right now in their personal darkness. Give them courage to stay in the race, oh God. we need you. We trust you. I pray that this message would serve as a gentle reminder to those who are thinking about walking away. God, that even as people to this day have already come up to me and told me in the first couple of services that it felt like you were talking right to them. Lord, I pray that there are people who would feel that right now, that you orchestrated this entire day around them, that you love them so much, that you'd preach a message to just a couple instead of the whole crowd. Let us walk out of this place encouraged that you know us, that you love us, that you're for us, that you're with us. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, would you?